KCR FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. I'm Mitch Goldman. Be here with you tonight for the next three hours. It's deep focus, and it's a very special deep focus. Uh, Our guest is going to be Vernon Reed, who is playing the guitar on our theme track there. And uh, Vernon Reed was in a band called Spectrum Road the last bunch of years with the magnificent bassist Jack Bruce. And uh, Jack Bruce left an abundant legacy of spectacular music he uh i'm not even going to tell you i'll tell you later how about we go right to the stage of perugia italy two years ago this is spectrum road wkcr Thank you. 
And we will hear it, but not right this moment. Because, let me tell you, you're listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We call this program Deep Focus. And tonight we are exploring the music of the man who was playing bass on that session, recorded in Perugia, Italy in 2012. And our guest tonight is the guitar player who you just heard introducing that set. Let me welcome back to the studios, Vernon Reed. Hey, Mitch. This, uh, we got we got a lot to talk about here. I'm glad to have had you introduce the broad strokes of the topic, that uh, what the band Spectrum Road was about. That was a band that uh, you co-led with Jack Bruce? Yeah, we, st- we kind of started with the conversation when uh, I was on tour with him with the Quicoland Express in the, in the early 2000s. And... Um, and uh, we were, we were just, I was just started asking him about all the people he knew and asking him about Hendrix and asking him about about Tony Williams and asking him about Carla Blaine and just all this different stuff he did over the years. Um, the stuff he did with Leslie West and, and you know, he's really good friends with Felix Papillardi and all that stuff. And, um, and he just was uh, very... He was just very open, and and we started talking about it. And I, I thought thought about, wow, what if um, because I was you know I'd been working a bit with Cindy Blackman and her ensembles, and I was very very friendly with John Medeski. And I thought, man, that would be cool. That would be a cool thing. And then we just started a conversation, and he was like, oh, all right. you know. And then one thing led to another, and then we did some shows and. Actually, some shows in Japan, and then we did some shows. You know, it was it was very hard for us to get together because we were everybody was really busy. But when it came busy to, and living all over the planet, yeah, and doing moving, everyone was moving and doing things. But it was so much fun when we got together. You know, it was um, it was really always always just great a great joy to to be with him and to be with Cindy and John, and. Um, and uh, you know he just passed a few weeks back, and um, and it's still pretty raw. You know I went to the um, his services in London, and um, you know we've been you know talking long distance me and and John and Cindy. You know just about about Jack and how what he meant to us because. You know, he was more than just like a famous Scottish rock star guy. He was, he was, he was like a brother. And he was really, he was like a mentor, but he was like a, you know, what I mean, it's, you know, you meet people, and a lot of times when you meet your legendary hero, mentor, 
folks. I mean, you can. It's easy to conflate what they do with who they are, mm-hmm. and and that's actually a dangerous place to be because mm-hmm. you can really be very disappointed. And Key's one of those rare people where his music and him really match up. You know, there's a flinty, funny, soulful aspect to Jack Bruce in all the things that he's done over the years that is really an outgrowth of his personality. You know, who he is, that voice. And his experiences. His experiences. And... And, and just what's so remarkable about about it is that he was not. You know, there's a. I mean, he was one of those Whitney. He was one of the architects of modern rock music, and really beyond that. And you know, the whole idea of jazz and rock overlapping was very much alive in everything he did. It was very much alive in Cream, and certainly it was very much alive in in everything he did subsequent to that. And Tony Williams' music, which you oh yeah, celebrate in Spectrum Road. Yeah, you know, it was, it was really it was really a thing. You know, he he um, he loved Tony, and um, and it was very you know it was very special to you know because I'm I mean I'm a fan of Tony Williams and 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 Cindy actually knew Tony and so John and I you know it's like it's a little it's our relationship to the music is different but you know Jack is a direct source he was like directly he was part of the he wasn't. I don't think he was in the very first no, version no, of the band, was, no, but it wasn't. he was uh, the first one to join the group, I think, after the original founding of Lifetime, right? Right. You know, I'll turn it over. Yeah. So, I mean, he was he was there and pretty close to creation. Yeah, and it's funny, it's funny too, because we, we um, there was one of the tunes that we played, uh, which was later renamed Wildlife, but he played the song as Spirit. And it was funny because... It was, you know, he played it really different. I was like going, wow, you know, because I thought, you know, I thought the chronology, chronology all twisted and everything. And and I realized, oh, no, he played the song. It was, a, it was a completely different song early on. A lot of things that Lifetime did, you know, you know, they started there and kind of took off in other other places. Um like the song that, that the dance of Maya, there was an earlier version of that song that Lifetime was do was developing, which came went on to become the dance of Maya with the Mahavishnu Orchestra. So there was there were a lot of loose threads and a lot of things that I got completely turned around. Like I think a lot of people think of, of sort of the jazz, rock music. Well, there's a lot of different ways that that came into being. You know, it's not, you know, I mean, the, the common way of thinking is that I mean, it starts kind of with Miles Davis. Right, right, right. But it's it's funny because actually it really started with Tony Williams. It, yeah. You know, and, and, on a certain, and, and to a certain degree, you could, if you think about that improvisational aspect of rock, you know, you could think about things like Soft Machine and, and early King Crimson as well. Mm-hmm. But really the whole thing from the jazz side kind of pretty much started with Tony. I think we proved that on these airwaves a while back. Right. We did a yeah. show very much about that. And, um, you know, it's funny. You talk about having fun. I love Tony Williams' music, but the first word that comes to mind isn't necessarily fun. But you guys really sound, there's such a spirit of joy hearing you guys play those same songs 
Yeah, you know, it's um, I think that um, speaking to Jack about it, you know, it was a struggle. You know, like when when life for lifetime. You know, it was a, it was a struggle, and and he he really, I mean, he moved to New York to be in Lifetime. You know, it's very interesting. I learned some things about about Jack and and his connection to American music. You know, like during the service, you know, it was the thing about how how he met Marvin Gaye, and in '64, Marvin Gaye asked Jack to be in his band. Wow. And and this was something that it, and and it was like one of these things where it was such a huge ask and you know I mean because Marvin Gaye was already a legendary musician and 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 it turned out that that he had said that that was the most difficult thing to not do because there wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been a cream if he did if he'd have yeah went with Marvin Gaye and and I just thought about like it just gave it put Marvin Gaye in a whole other light you know I just thought wow you know this I mean this cat I mean what's going on didn't come out of nowhere he was he was a progressive thinking and he was a person that connected with people and he really connected with a lot of the you know I mean he was very close to Mick Jagger and things like that so so to know that 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 he turned down Marvin Gaye and if he and 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 Cream would not have happened Right, you know, I mean, sixty four. I mean, that's crazy early. You know, and so it's so it was, it's fascinating. The thing about it, you know, he was like one of the architects of modern rock and and the, and the you know that that mixture of rock and jazz. But he was also a witness to history. Like he was the guy that was there when all of that was happening. Like when Hendrix came to London, like he was one of the cats that was like, yo, and he was talking about how how they were friends and. But the the great thing about Jack is that Jack was not, like, you know, you would have to ask him. He would not. And he was not like a name dropping. You know, he didn't. Cl- you know, he. he I mean, you're, he's Jack Bruce. He clobbered you every day with it. Right. Right. And right. It, that was just not his way. I think you know people all. might not realize. So uh, I'm not going to give a whole big uh, history lecture or anything, but. Jack Bruce was one of the three members of the band Cream mm-hmm. with Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton. And if you were not around then or if you're not a big fan of rock music, you might not realize the guy was a superstar. They were the biggest of the biggest. They were, this, leaving aside the, the musical accomplishments of this band, they were massive, massive pop stars. And they walked away from it at the height of their fame after two and a half years, it was like maybe? Two, it was like something like two, two and a half years, something like that. And, um, I mean, one thing I wonder about is, for you, here's this extraordinarily talented musician who has that fame early in life and then leaves it behind and goes on this whole other lifetime of musical discovery and, and finding all these new things that hadn't been done and and his story doesn't end there and I'm wondering if that's a source of inspiration oh totally I mean it's you know Rolling Stone gathers no moss and other cliches of that nature you know it's very much that he was a restless he was a restless restless inquisitive person and music I mean the thing you know he was a musician first and a rock star second yeah and 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 many musicians he inspired a lot of people, I think, to the idea of 
taking the music and having that in front. And he always had the music in front. And and I think that that was also a, one of the battles that he fought. Because he also was, you know, he, he also had achieved this kind of status. And he was also one of the first, of a certain, of a certain generation of rock stars that started to redefine what that meant uh, outside of the whole rock and roll. Like, what Cream did was rock music. What Hendrix did was rock music. It's as very, very different than Bill Haley and the Comets and and Chuck Berry. Even you know, even though that wasn't far behind. Very different, even from the Beatles, Stones. Case. Very much, very different from British Invasion. We're yeah. now in this. Like just yeah, it's a couple easy years to conflate. Them. You know those. You know these. You got to remember that, that that was very tribal. Like you know, like the the Beatles and Stones are not are not at all. You know that's like different worlds. Right. And and the Who was another world, and you know it's like, and don't even talk about Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was like an affront to everyone, you know. Right. So all of these things, and and then it was kind of funny because, like, Hendrix kind of landed like a bomb in the middle of all of that squabbling between all of them. He was like, "What the hell is what the hell is that guy doing?" You know. And so, but know, Hendrix was also inspired by Cream, very much so. And he, he well, he, you know, he played Sunshine Sunshine of Your Love. Many is times, one, is, yeah, is one of the things that he, you know, because he, because in fact, when Cream broke up, you know, that was the thing that he did, and he, he, he dedicated it to them because he loved that band, and so, you know, it's it's all it's hard to, you know, because all these people are icons. It's it's you also have to remember these are young dudes. You know, they were like nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty five years old doing this, it's kind of reshaping the media landscape in a way. And uh, not in a way they were doing it, you know. Yeah. Like, and so the fact that Cream had, you know, like songs like "Politician" and "Badge," you know, and and they, you know, this whole thing where there was a, a, a you know, a, a kind of literary aspect to the lyrics, and then there was this kind of driving, uh, edgy, kind of, kind of, kind of collision between the blues and jazz. And, and 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 a certain kind of tribe, like Ginger brought this whole kind of quasi tribal thing with his drums. Oh yeah. So I I got to speak to my my jazz police listeners because I know they're listening, maybe dialing now. If you haven't really checked out Cream, and you have not engaged with the musicianship and the level of social, political, spiritual discourse that's going on in that band and and the innovations that's happening under the guise of a pop band at the time, right. you have not really contended with uh, yeah, so a big movement. Yeah, you know it, it. I mean, so 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 after that, you know, he just he went and you know, I mean, he worked with Carla Blay, which is like wow, you know, what could be more different than that? You know, work with Carla Blay and work with. Uh, Work with Tony Williams. Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, it's funny. Here's this guy who's in this constant state of discovery for decade after decade. Did he, did he have any misgivings about going back to something he had done before, playing Tony Williams music? No, I mean it was. I mean it was funny. You know what? <laughs> okay, one of one of the funniest things that happened. We played. Uh, Hey, Yoshi's in Oakland. We played a stand at Yoshi's in Oakland. And um, and Cindy was pretty, fairly recently married to Carlos. So let me just uh, backtrack. Let me actually just 
kind of reintroduce what's happening here on the airwaves tonight. I'm Mitch Goldman. My guest tonight is Vernon Reed, and we are remembering the magnificent bassist Jack Bruce, who was a member with Vernon of the band Spectrum Road, along with Cindy Blackman Santana and John Medeski. And uh, Jack passed away last month. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a huge story to tell about his musical achievements and also about the man that he was that Vernon knew and spent time with. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're in San Francisco. So we're, we're in Oakland. We're in Oakland. We're in Oakland. And, um, and, and Carlos uh, sat in with us. And the first day we played like a blues thing. And it was cool, and we were there for about a week. And then the, the next day, you know, Carlos, we'd done the Spectrum Road set, and Carlos came up, and he just started playing the lick to Sunshine of Your Love. <laughs> Sunshine wow. of Your Love. Wow. So it was this moment, I mean, I think, I looked at John, and John looked at Cindy, we're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to be playing Sunshine of Your Love with Carlos and Jack was just, and a lot of people, it's another, there's a whole other conversation to be had about uh, Carlos Santana, part of that conversation, yeah. too, about the convergence of... Well, well, very much so. You know, very much so, like, the, you know, the, um, like, how, how much the, the music of, of Coltrane affected Santana. So, you know, I mean, I mean, in a way, when you think about from the rock side, like the rock musicians that really engage jazz in a substantive way, and there, there are a few of them, but... You know, I would say Zappa, mm -hmm. Jack Bruce, Santana. I mean, just jump, jump out. Right. You know, uh, Van Morrison. Mm. You know, they really engaged. In, you know, really engaged with with jazz as a feeling in their music. Um, Fripp. Sure. You know, um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. But the thing about that. So afterwards. You know, we were, we were kind of in the afterglow. It was an amazing moment. It turned out that was the first time, that that time of them playing was the first time Jack and, and Carlos ever played together. Wow. And and that was, and I would just assume that they they jammed and, you know, because you think yeah. that people are, you know, you think that they're in a world. You're assuming that there's one, some big room out there. They're all yeah, hanging and everybody's out doing it. And it's kind of yeah. like, it was just wild that, you know, it just, you know, it just happened to be that week. So it was pretty, pretty special. Yeah. Really special. How did uh, Sunshine of Your Love sound? It sounded cool. <laughs> it sounded, it sound, you know, it sounded, it sounded cool. You know, it was, it was funny, man, to see, to see, um, see the cream shows. I actually saw the both the, the the final shows at the Royal Albert Hall and the final shows at Madison Square Garden. What we now know as the final shows. Yeah. This band broke up in what you're 67, I think. Something like that. And didn't play together at, all three of them until 2005, maybe was it? The 2000 they where was played, it somewhere it was in there? A long time. It was a long time. And uh they as you said they played these two series of shows. Right. It was, it was um it was really it was something especially like like songs like we're going wrong which was i mean it was fantastic you know and also also all the blues number spoonful and yeah born under a bad sign and stormy monday blues 
Yeah, it was it was it was really special. It was it was funny because there was a moment where I think during Royal Albert Hall shows, you know, there was a moment where where where, where, where Clapton just got got like he was really the spirit hit him. I could you could see it. You could you could you could see it. There are probably people who hear it. enjoy listening to Cream and don't realize it's Jack Bruce singing because Jack. And Eric Clapton. Yeah, they would split. They would, yeah, they would, they would kind of split um, vocal duties. And it's so great hearing Jack Bruce singing the Tony Williams. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. He's, I mean, he had a real voice. I mean, it was you know, a voice on the on on the electric bass, and he had a real his singing voice was, was from another another you know was from another place altogether. You know, he, he brought something from all the way back. He brought it forward. You know, he just, I mean, very, I, I keep saying the way I describe it, it's, you know, it's very soulful. Like, he really, he, you know, he left, didn't leave anything on the table. He put himself out there. I think of the first time I met him was with you in Stuttgart in 1995. Oh, yeah, the, uh, right, right. That was, that was the thing that uh, Craig Street yeah. put together. Hendrix, Hendrix, the Hendrix thing. Jimi Hendrix music, and he, you and he played um, uh, Wind Cries Mary. Right. And he, you rehearsed it a bunch of times, and he's presenting it, singing it, and then when he actually got to it in front of the crowd, he took it to this whole other place. I don't know if you remember that. He, he poured himself into it. I, I can't think of anybody I've ever seen wrap themselves around a song and pull that much out of it the well, way that he well, did. Well, you know, the pers- from a perspective, for everyone else, you know, playing a song like that is, you know, we're playing, Jimmy, you know, he's playing the song of his friend. Yeah. Like, that's the, di- I mean, that's the difference. Like, you, I mean, that's the, thing, that's the, that's where the rubber hits the road. I mean, you know, I mean, this is someone that he knew. I mean, they were like 25 together, right? And so, like that's you know what it would mean the the meaning of it for him is in a whole entirely different place than for anyone else you know well-meaning talented sure it it's it it takes another it takes another turn i mean that was one of the things that um in talking about Tony, you know, there were things that were very, you know, he knew a lot of where the music was coming from. You know, he knew where there comes a time, where there comes a time, what that was, you know, because he knew the people involved, you know. So, so of course, at the point of performance of something like When, when, when Christ Mary, it just would be a different, he would inhabit it. Yeah. In a completely different place. There's also a kind of a cliche of uh, artists playing through their pain and their struggle. Mm-hmm. But um, having spent, because we spent a few days together working on that show mm-hmm. with him, and he was astonishingly to me upfront about yeah. what he'd gone through as a young man and the odds that he had to overcome to do to live the life that he lived and that there was no roadmap for that 
coming up the way that he did and the price that he paid for well, that. Well, you know, War had a song, The World is Ghetto, and I'll tell you something, you know, when you, if you spend any time in Glasgow, you know, Glasgow's rough. I mean, now, I mean, now it's, it's different than it was, but, you know, where he, you know, like where he came from was a, was a very real place. And the thing, the thing about a lot of those guys in the British bands, you know, the, the class system is very, very rigid, and rock and roll just blew up the class system. Like some of the, some of the people were middle class guys, you know, whatever, who went to art school. Some of those people were, you know, they were meant to be, you know, if they didn't pick up a bass or a guitar, they're going to be coal miner. Or a, or, or, or a lorry driver, like that was what. That was it. That, that was, was what was your. That was what your fate. Like the beat is funny because people think of the Beatles as pop and kind of soft, and people think of the Stones as really hard. But the Stones, like the Beatles from Liverpool, like those cats weren't supposed to be. You know, I can't say the new language like that. On the, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, they <laughs> You know, it was a different scenario for them. So so. They, music was really a way out, and a way a way that a lot of the working class people related to the blues that they related to the existential struggle. Like they they could see it directly. Like it wasn't as much it wasn't a color thing at all for them, but it was very much about you know in the class system. You know, it matter if you you know you if you're white if you're not in, if you're not born into cut glass. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, the other remarkable thing about that is here it is, decades gone by, and that's still alive for Jack Bruce, the guy who, oh, yeah. who won, and he still had this. Oh, it's very much so. And, it's a, and the whole idea, you know, and the other thing too, you know, like being Welsh, being Scottish, being you know, being being from the British Isles, you know, don't get it twisted. Like this, <coughs> to be to be to be Irish and to be and to be from not just Irish but to be from you know, from Dublin to be from County Cork, it, those are different tribal areas. Like, the fact that people would be in a band together where it's like one person is Scottish and another person is English, that is like, you, I mean, that was like revolutionary because those people didn't mix, you know, and that was very much... And, and they didn't. And, they, and in, in the end, they didn't, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was explosive. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah so. But but there's that, such a, uh, as I was saying, a joy in hearing you play this music with him, with, with Jack Bruce, all four of you, really just, it just it's a big exploding smile on stage, the sound of it. Yeah. And uh, another thing that kind of struck me, just thinking about the pure musicianship of it, um, Jack's bass playing, um, let me give you an opportunity to again speak to the uh, not that you necessarily take a great concern of the interests of the jazz police but to explain to somebody who's used to listening to that music what is so uh, the ways something you said about how Jack Bruce approaches his instrument and you didn't say this exactly uh, maybe I'm saying this as a jazz musician does. And maybe you could just talk about his playing. And, uh... Well, he, he you know, Jack was one of those cats that he, he would, um, 
he approached it as a you know he, it's very much like a singing voice like he would approach it on one hand you know he would play the bottom and then but he was gonna also move away from that and play something very melodic on top you know I mean to play something really in his vocal range and then go back to the bottom and you know he was very you know he was very free and one of the things you had to you had to be on your toes because it's you know because it's gonna go to where you know wherever it feels in the moment it's very much I mean it was very much he was not harmonic per se but it was kind of the you know it was like playing with a Jamal Adin or playing with a Melvin Gibbs and how you know how we freely reinterpret the harmonies we freely reinterpret things so you know that was very much in evidence he had a beautiful tone incredible beautiful touch yeah perfect time yeah, all his own, all his own thing. And Magnificent was, listener. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was the way it was the way he would weave in between John and Cindy. And then when you hear other other him in other contexts, you really hear how his the voice of his bass. You know, he was a man with. He also he was a he was a great piano player too. That was huh. another thing too. He was he was a really good piano player. He composed a lot of stuff on piano. So that was. He had a real grounding, harmonic grounding, you know. He, had a real he was a trained musician, yeah, he was yeah classically he was a, trained, right? Yeah, absolutely. He was a play, He was a great upright player. You know, he was he was a, he was a great upright player. He played in big. He played in big bands. You know, he played with the Grand Bond organization. You know, before the Cream thing went down. Vernon Reed is my guest for Deep Focus tonight. The subject of the Deep Focus, the great Jack Bruce bassist, who left us last month. And thankfully left a lot of music behind. If you have not checked him out, there's great opportunity for you to to hear his albums, Sideman projects of his. We have some live recordings that nobody's ever heard, including some with Vernon and Jack Bruce. And uh, we are remembering Jack until 9 o'clock tonight here on WKCR-FM New York. We should play some music. Yeah, we should. I'm tired of talking. Tired of talking. <laughs> a little more Spectrum Road, or uh, you know what? Um, you got another thought in mind. You know, you have you have you have a thing with Mitch Mitchell and, yeah. Larry, and Larry Coriel. I got to cue it up. I got to get ready to play that. So maybe if we play well, something, while we play, while we play, while we play, uh, you know, we were about to play uh, uh, this Jan Hammer tune that was yeah, and uh, that that Tony used to like, and then we'll get into this other stuff yes you're listening to WKCR it's Deep Focus on Jack Bruce my guest is Vernon Reed Thank you. 
John Modesto, give it up.
She's fertilized. 
please don't cry. There's more. There's more. It's coming. You can listen to it. It's uh, that was part one of uh, broadcast from November 17th, 2014. As you heard, Vernon Reed, my guest, our topic was his great friend, mentor, and uh, <laughs> wild card, Jack Bruce. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. It's Deep Focus. You know all this because you subscribe, right? If you don't subscribe, you really should. You get everything half price, which is zero, but uh, you also get notified when new episodes go up, which they do all the time. Uh, you can also come find us on Instagram and get photos of these artists and schedule of upcoming broadcasts and all kinds of stuff like that and podcasts. Uh, we are Deep Focus Podcast at Instagram. And you can find us on your favorite podcasting app or you can always get us on the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And this, uh, let's go on. I'll see you over on part two. It's 2014.11.17. Vernon Reed on the topic of Jack Bruce for Deep Focus. <laughs> 